downside up. I like the way Jeff Friesen says, yeah, that's who we ought to be, downside up. Matthew 5, if you have a copy of the scriptures, it's the greatest sermon ever preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is the author, the teacher here. We're walking in this week together through Matthew 5. This is only week two. Last weekend, I did kind of an introduction to the Beatitudes, and we started. So you can go back and watch a, uh, listen to a podcast or watch it on video if you want to go online. But today, week two, I've got one whole verse. I've got a lot of other verses. But the text would be Matthew 5, 3. But I want to start this way. There is a lot of, uh, the, the simple title of this is, The Upside of Being a Beggar. Just being a beggar, and that's who we are, whether we realize it or not. There's a lot of spiritual poverty and poverty in our world, and uh, I just think about the, the moral bankruptcy across our land. Y'all, y'all remember that thing a few years ago called Enron? <laughs> it kind of ripped off a few million years, a few million dollars, and probably a few million years. Uh, you think about what drugs do to our community and to our nation, what it costs us and how it just ravages lives. I, I think about Vegas and some of you are like, oh, I had a good time in Vegas. I think there's some good parts of Vegas. It's also, it's built on a whole climate of, of a lot of sin, too. But a lot of moral bankruptcy going on. But let's go down to just a kind of a private area of moral bankruptcy, of being a beggar, of being destitute. That'd be like a, if you were a student, just started back to school, and you decided this year you wanted to take shortcuts and you wanted to cheat. Not good. I don't advise that, okay? Some people decide, hey, I'm going to take a shortcut. I'm going to just cheat on my income taxes. You know, they get too much anyway. Don't fall for that, okay? Or maybe there's a hidden addiction that nobody else knows about, but you're struggling with it. And that's a, a failure. It's an area that you're bankrupt in your life spiritually, and you're struggling, and you won't help. And you know, when we think about sin, sin is to miss the mark of God. But sin is not so much only about breaking the rules, but I think sin is much more about breaking the heart of our God. Breaking the heart of God when we sin. For Christ came into the world to rescue, to demonstrate his love for us. And while we were yet sinners, the Bible says Christ died for us. So that's what happens there. But you know, in the fall of humanity there in Genesis 1, you see this whole devastation just comes on the land. You just see where man, humankind decides, I'm going to rebel against God. And we've been rebelling ever since. And in that, he basically, Adam was, and Eve were saying this, I declare that I can do a much better job of running my life than you can, God. And do you know, here we are in 2016, and people are still determining in their own spirits that I can run my life better than you can. That is such a joke. That is such foolishness. And the church said, I don't know about you, I tried to run my life till I turned about 19. Just after I turned 19, I came to faith in Jesus Christ, and he has done a much better job than I ever tried to in those first 19 years. Now, we all have a tendency, we, we lean into, we have a propensity to sin and want to get back on the throne of our lives and rule, and Jesus is like, no, I don't want you to do that. Because, you know, when we want to rule, it's about one thing. It's about being selfish. It's selfishness. That, hey, I'm just going to be selfish. I just want what I want. I could care less about others. I could care less about what my God wants. And that's a road that is going to lead down. That's going to not be very good. Here in the fifth chapter of Matthew, if you look, there's these beatitudes. And the first ones deal with the attitude we have toward ourselves. 
Then he deals with the attitude that we have toward our sins. Then he deals with the attitude we have toward God. And then the attitude that we have toward the world in which we live. And these attitudes, be attitudes, are critical to every Christ follower. These are the attitudes that Jesus says. I want you to take on the attitude of Christ. And if you have this attitude, it's going to be good. Now, you see, he says in verse 3 there, blessed are the poor in spirit. And in this, the poor end up with a kingdom, not a bagel. They end up with the kingdom of Christ. And I don't know about you, Matthew, a little later, 6.33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all other things will be added, given unto you. And what are we seeking this morning? We're seeking something. Everybody in this room is seeking something. And I pray that we'll get our focus lasered in on our attention, our affections go to King Jesus. And that's what the attitudes are really talking about because basically here's what I know. The world is pretty messed up. No. We are pretty messed up. Would anybody agree with me this morning? We're just messed up. Somebody said, well, gee, thanks. My wife told me that this morning. My husband told me yesterday. My kids, I told them. You just go all through life. You can just see how everybody's missing the mark and people are being selfish and then they're giving and then they're forgiving and then they're judging and they're doing this. And Jesus goes, I'm stepping in to usher a new way of living. And that way of living would be kingdom living. You know, that's what my life is about. That's what hopefully your life is about, that you want to center your life in and around the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And in this kingdom, it is downside up. It's so contrasting to that which the world tries to teach us so many times. I like where the kingdom of heaven shows up. When you read the Gospels and when Jesus just shows up on the scene, he heals the sick. He casts out demons. He feeds the hungry. He subdues nature with its forces. He performs miracles. But my favorite above all, he reconciles sinners to his heavenly Father. I don't know. Just stop and think about that this morning. That's what God is. That's what God does. He reconciles us to himself through his son. So as you look at this, just look there in 5.3. Look real quickly. It's real easy. God, in the New Living Translation, it says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. In the J.B. Phillips Translation, it says it this way. How happy, remember we talked about makarios was the Greek word last weekend. Makarios means happy, blessed, blessed how happy are the humble-minded for the kingdom of heaven is theirs if you want the kingdom of heaven you've got to be humble and we'll talk about humility in this lesson this morning we'll talk about blessed are the poor in spirit blessed are the people that understand they're spiritually bankrupt without god that they need him the ones that are pious and self-righteous and full of themselves Jesus would go, wretched, not right, you've missed it. Your religion is your trusting in your self-sufficiency. I don't know about you, you know, we teach that mantra in our country, pull yourself up 
by your own bootstrap. On and on. Right now, I've got so much pride this morning in our nation. Have y'all been watching the television the last week or so for the Olympics and just watching Phelps just like, man, can the dude, can he just start minting himself in gold? Domination and all the different swimmers and the amazing gymnasts and on and on. And, and the girl yesterday or a couple of days ago that won the a shot putt, I think she's from Dallas, and she dominated that. And then you see track and field, and we got a silver, and you just see all this. Man, I just I get so excited about being an American, and I just want to go do something, and I go get a bag of chips. It's just awesome. <laughs> no, I really do. I exercise a lot, a lot of times twice a day, but I, I do go get a bag of chips sometimes too. And when I'm watching that, and, I'm, and I mean, can, can we just time out for a minute? Swimmers. They have muscles you're not supposed to have. Their abs and their stomach, it makes me want to eat. <laughs> and then they talk about their diets. They, they consume thousands upon thousands upon thousands of calories. And I go, I want to be in that camp. But you have to work and work and work and swim and swim to be in that camp. And I go, I don't want to be in that camp. I'm going to go over here. Just amazing. You're saying, I didn't know I came to church to hear about the Olympics. I came to hear about the kingdom of Christ and rejoicing in him and being a person of humility. Look at this quote on the screen by John Miller. Humility or poverty of spirit is not a matter of thinking low thoughts or about yourselves. It's not a matter of groveling in the desk. It's a simple matter of knowing ourselves as we really are. And when we see ourselves as we really are, we will see that we are poor in this room i'm surrounded by poor people and you're going i am not let me say it again in this room i'm surrounded by people that are poor and i pray you're poor in spirit that you might inherit the kingdom of jesus christ amen you want to be poor you don't want to be i am righteous you are righteous in jesus i am self-sufficient you are Christ is a sufficient one for all the ages past, for present, for future, forevermore. And he loves us. And when you think about it, when you look here in Matthew 5, where he begins on this, that there's nothing good in me. Blessed are the poor in spirit. I pray that this morning, I know I've said it a bunch of times, but I, I pray that it'll sink deep and resonate in your heart and mind. In the Old Testament, they had the Torah, the first five books of the scriptures that they were deeply committed to. They were devout Jews that would follow the word. And then there, in Hebrew writings, there's a, a thing called the Talmud. And the Talmud adds to the laws the ways that the teachers wanted. And they basically brought the Talmud that the people might be able to manage and make the law more doable to follow the ways of God. So they would add all these things. In current day, we don't call it a Talmud, but some faiths, some denominations, some churches will add their own sets of rules to Scripture. Like, well, I don't do this, and I don't, uh, I don't wear makeup, and, and I, I won't you know, wear a dress, and I won't do this, and I won't uh, chew, or uh, you know, I won't smoke, or I won't run around with girls that do, or whatever, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just all this crazy stuff. And people just add. And people in that day and today have been trying to add to Scripture. Jesus is like, follow my kingdom. You're just bankrupt without me. You're a beggar. 
Here, here's how I know the kingdom of God is expressed. You have to come to a point that you acknowledge your need for Christ and that you're a beggar and you simply hold your cup up and you say, Lord, fill my cup. I will tell you briefly, as I've told you over the 20 years that I've pastored this wonderful church about being a freshman at Troy University, Troy State then, and I remember lifting my cup up, if you will, to the Lord on a cold winter night in January of 1978. Lord, I need you. I'm a beggar. And I knew the Lord had already convinced me. I had nothing to offer him. But here's what I know about grace. Grace came in. Grace came in and awakened my soul. And in my spiritual poverty, I became rich that night. Not financially, but spiritually I became a son of the Most High God, a son of the King. You did the same thing when you came to faith in Christ. You basically acknowledged your poverty and that you had to have dependency. And who did you place your dependency on? And you're saying, well, Pastor, I have a wonderful mom and dad. And I go, that is incredible, awesome. My grandparents are godly. That's wonderful. My boss, my neighbor, my best friend is the finest Christian I've ever met. That is incredible. But don't place your trust in any of those. Place it in Jesus. In Isaiah, if you'll just turn over to the Old Testament, I just want to show you this quickly. In the sixth chapter of Isaiah, Isaiah comes to face with the Lord. And in 6 1, he just goes, It was in the year of King Uzziah that he died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of the robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, and each having six wings, with two wings they covered their faces and the two covered their feet. And with two they flew and they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And then verse 5, look at this. And then I said, it's all over. I am doomed for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. In verse 7, he touched my lips with it, and he said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed, and your sins are forgiven. I, I love that passage. I, just that, here's the thought you and I are sunk, we are doomed. In the presence of God without being covered in the blood of Christ. That song that Chris had us do. When his blood ran red, when that redness covered us, we were no longer doomed, but we were defined as children of God. Do I have a praise in the church this morning? Man, that is great news. It's like... Well, Keith, I get pretty excited when I watch the Olympics and I see gold and silver and bronze medals on our athletes and they're, they're like really cool and they're probably going to make a lot of money and they're going to do commercials and that's awesome, awesome, awesome. But here's the deal. When you get dipped, when you get covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, oh, this is an eternal reward that lasts forever, that's beautiful, that you don't enter the kingdom without it because you're broke before him. C.H. Spurgeon I think it, it says Surgeon. His name is Spurgeon, okay? That's funny. Look at that, C.H. Surgeon. I, I don't remember him, but I do remember Spurgeon. He said, the way 
To rise into God is to sink into your own self. If you want to be a happy person, a blessed person, then you have to see yourself that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Do you remember when Christ convicted you and that you needed Him because you had read scriptures or somebody read the scripture to you and the law revealed your need for Christ? Or you remember when you hit the proverbial wall and you were a mess and you knew you were a mess and your mama had already told you you were a mess and everybody else told you you were a mess and that you needed something in your life and Jesus became enough. He became a rescuer. I love that value, that trait of God that he rescues those that are lost and dying and hopeless and broken messed up do i have a witness in the church this morning anybody go man that's me you're just talking about me man and then god forgives us and restores us and just look i've I've given you a really simple outline today fill it in recognize your true condition you just got to recognize this is so simplistic it's so pure gospel that you recognize the state of yourself that you're going to miss the kingdom of heaven if you don't become poor and realize that you're only rich when you get in him and you recognize that his sufficiency is complete and it's the blessing of God upon your life and you just rest in that and you but but you know I don't know about you uh, I know a lot about the kingdom the kingdom of Keith so I want you to write on your notes today I left your room the kingdom of Robert don't write down Robert that's his name the kingdom of Jimmy the kingdom of Jim. You write down the kingdom of. Do you, are you an expert on that kingdom? Oh, I know about that kingdom. Here's another way to put it. Kingdom of self. Don't we know about a lot about our self-ruling kingdom? And how many of us want our kingdom to become against? Oh, heck no. Then this little kingdom, it is safe. In this kingdom, there is a king, and that king is I. And Jesus goes, and that's the king I want to dethrone. The kingdom of self, the kingdom of Keith, it's not very attractive. It's self-focused. It's self-satisfied. It's self-reliant. My kingdom is filled with insecurities. My kingdom's filled with fears and doubts. And, and, and it's, just, it's just messed up. It's, this, it's just not me. It's you too. You know, our kingdoms, they need to submit to his kingdom. And then we get always caught up in this if we're not careful. I'm a preacher, so I get caught up in this. And sometimes us pastors will get honest and we talk about it. Man, I sure wish I could preach like Francis Chan. Oh, my goodness, I wished I could. Oh, if I could just preach like Andy Stanley. Oh, oh man, they would be from here to Atlanta, backed up on the interstate trying to get in here. And you go through that thing. And in your world, there's somebody, if I could just teach like them, if I could just be an engineer like them, if I could just be a lawyer like them, if I could just be a mom like them, if I could just be a student like them, if I could be just an athlete like them. Does anybody struggle with a compare snare in this room this morning? Hello? Does anybody in this room struggle comparing yourself to the other one? Most of us do. And the problem is you always fall short. There's always somebody that's got it worse, and there's always somebody that's doing it better. And then you go, if I could just be as smart as John Piper, if I could just be as smart as John Maxwell, if I could just be as smart as Bill Hybels, and I go, I start playing that scenario, and then I get in trouble. And then here's the really tough one. 
I've been a pastor for 34 years, and, and this is how we have our rule book, and I've had to die to it years ago. Hey, brother, how big's your church? How many people you got sitting in, how many butts sitting in them seats over at your church? Uh, hello? We use the word posterior at our church. No, okay. Oh, how many sitting? And then you want to, oh, how big's your budget? You've seen ours? <laughs> and everybody compares, you know. And I decided a long time ago, you know, I just got to be faithful to what Christ has called me to do. You got to be faithful to what Christ. But you're, you're kind of laughing at me. You're going, really? Y'all like sometimes compare people and sticks and apples and cars and stuff? Well, you know, if you're not careful, people get in that. Here's the thing. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. That's what it's about, advancing people in the ways of Jesus. People conforming, being centered on Christ, becoming like him. That's what the Father wants. And I love that when he says it, that this problem here. The problem is we're, we're messed up. Here, here it is. I'm going to give you a great Greek word. Last week it was makarios. I'm going to give you this one today. It's called P-T-O-C-H-O-S. P-T-O-C-H-O-S. And you pronounce it this way. Potakos. Almost sounds like potaco, doesn't it? Hey, let's go get a taco right now. Okay, anyway, potakos. And what that word means is extremely poor, crouching, shrink, cowered down, a beggar. And in the Greek, that's what it says. You are a beggar. And Jesus loves beggars when they cry out to him. And I'm thinking this morning, Lord, that's where I need to be. One says it means to be threadbare. It means to be poverty-driven. It means bankrupt. And we probably understand the term bankrupt. But it means, Lord, I'm so poor I can't even hardly pay attention. Lord, I'm broke without you. Lord, I need a deposit of grace. Lord Jesus, I need a deposit of the Holy Spirit this morning. And I pray all of us would find ourselves running for the mercy seat of Christ. Even if we're in Christ, just saying, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, that's your way. That's the one that brings blessing. Now I'll cry out to you. Because, Lord, in my spiritual poverty, I'm reduced to, to nothing where I show that I, I need something. Lord, that I show that I'm broken. I show that you're more than enough, that I need to get in your presence. And then when you talk about poor, a lot of times people read this and they go, ah, oh, they just, you know, Jesus is, loves the poor. He does love the poor. He loves the oppressed. And he calls us to befriend them and to help them and to support them but here it's so much more than a, a financial economic state this is about a poverty of spirit a spirit that is destitute a spirit that is morally inept a, a spirit that is such a beggar without christ it doesn't have the presence it doesn't depend on christ it doesn't run to him in luke 18 if you just write down luke 18 verse 10 through 14 i want you to hear this two men went to the temple to pray and one was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. And the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, and adulterers. Then that sounds like an arrogant prayer. I'm certainly not like what the tax collector is. I fast twice a week. I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector, he stood at a distance, says the Scripture. He dared not even lift his eyes up toward heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat, in his, he beat his chest in sorrow and said, Oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know what? And that's where we ought to find ourselves this morning. Lord, have mercy on us. Have mercy. No, have mercy on me. 
Lord, I'm so poor. I'm so broken without the presence of Christ. Lord, I need more of you. I need, I need to trust you. I need to look to you. This, this poor here shrink, coward, cringed, lost, hopeless, helpless, in need. I know you're saying, boy, you're really driving this poor spirit this morning. Because Jesus drives this theme today. Jesus is here in the Sermon on the Mount trying to tell people the ones that acknowledge their shortness, their shortcoming, the ones that acknowledge their spiritual bankruptcy, those are the ones that are rich. And Jesus says, I want you to get in on that. This kingdom goes not primarily to the materially wealthy. It goes to those that are poor, poor of spirit. What is meant by poor spirit? Well, it's, and a part of it would be an absence of pride and self-reliance. I don't know if that speaks to anybody. Some of you in this room, some of us could maybe struggle with pride. And Jesus says, I want to rid you of that. I, I want to crucify that or reliance on yourself or the fact that, you know, we want to realize we're nothing before God. Or maybe some people here lack courage to acknowledge the spiritual. And maybe today the Spirit of Christ is moving you toward a place of acknowledging your need for Christ. Oh, man, it's a great place to be. Another one would be maybe Christ is driving you today to humble yourself and be under the opinion that pride opposes the Lord. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Lord, I pray that you would just pour out humility on me and my friends that gathered today, Lord, that we would somehow seek your heart and we would find what you have for us and there's, when, you, when you read through the Beatitudes, we're, we're going through one a week, but when you see this, there's a progression of the attitudes. They build up in the life of a Christ follower. And we're going to try to see if the Lord will make deposits in these days and realize that he wants humility and he wants us to think about being poor. But let's just use this example because I understand this. I think I've shared it before, but a, a form of it. When you fly on an airplane, you know, some of us get those ones where they say, bring a chair when you come to the airport and you can go to the next city. Okay, I thought that was funny. All right, anyway. I mean, sometimes you, you get a flight. If your flight's too cheap, you need to check and make sure they got seats on that plane, okay? And usually it never is, and, and they're high, and then you go back there. And I don't know, you know, and whenever I fly out of Montgomery over the last 30 years, you know, I always see people I know. And, 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 they're, and, and of course, here, you know, you don't really have first class there. But when you get to Atlanta, then you start seeing the people, and they're sitting up there in first class. Now, I go into all kind of uh, judgmental, self-righteous, critical spirit, if I'm not careful, because they're up there wiping their mouth off and giving them something to drink. And, and then we're back there like... Dude, can we just have a peanut? You know, I mean, we're, we're parched. I remember when I used to speak in California, and I'd fly across country, and they would say, Sir, would you like steak or would you like chicken? I'm like, man. I mean, I'd come home and say, Donna, man, I, I like this flying across country to speak. Like, they treat me really good. And, like, I'm not even in the rich section. I'm sitting back there on the back of the plane just holding on, but they're feeding me. And now you go, and they go, Sir, we've been thinking, you might get a cookie on this flight, but then you might not if there's turbulence in the air. You know what I'm saying? So this, this poor in spirit, I mean, I want to be rich in spirit, you know? But then Jesus goes, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of Christ. So, Lord, help us to get in on what you have that, Lord, in Revelation 3, 17, write down Revelation 3, 17. I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing, he says. And you don't realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Lord says, you need me. You, the Laodicean church, man, they're thinking, man, we've arrived. He's like, no, you're not. The ungodly people, have you ever noticed 
ungodly people, they don't inherit the kingdom of God. There's a lack of faith. There's a lack of understanding. There's a lack of knowing him. There's a lack of eternal life. But the second point is relinquish control of your life to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Just relinquish. Turn it over to him. Say, Lord, come. You will satisfy. I love this. Listen to Luke 6, 20 through 21. He will satisfy the poor in spirit. Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, God blesses you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. In Psalm 116.6, listen to the word. He will save the poor in spirit. The Lord protects those of childlike faith. I was facing death, said the psalmist. And the psalmist went on to say, and he saved me. When we're poor, the Lord saves us. He will be close to the poor in spirit, Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And I don't know about you, but I love that my God loves it to come alongside me and give me comfort when I'm crushed and depleted and I'm righteous in him. This morning, we got a tough text at our house a little girl that I really love. She lives in Sacramento, and when Hannah was out there on an internship, she befriended our daughter, and since then she's come to our home. We've been out with her many times, and she was here this spring for the wedding. Two beautiful little girls, and she's due the 20th of the month with her third child, which will be a boy. This morning, we got a text that she delivered this morning about 4.17, and the baby was born dead. And my heart is crushed for her because she's like a daughter. She, we, we care for her. We pray for her often. And I read this verse, and it gives me hope today that the Lord is near to those who are crushed. So would you just write on your worship guide today the, the word Ilona, I-L-O-N-A. Would you just pray for her that the Holy Spirit would carry her and Nick and give them grace in the days of head. For blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of God. The scripture says he hears the prayer of the poor in spirit. He gives grace to the poor in spirit, James 4, 6. He gives generously, as the scripture said, God opposes the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. Relinquish the control of your life. And then the third one is critical. Receive it. Receive his grace. Just receive the grace and the mercy of Jesus. See, what we've done is... Would anybody know what I'm talking about if I said, have you maxed out your credit card? Don't raise your hand. Say, yeah, I maxed out mine, but I got my wife now, or I got my husband, and it's going to be maxed out. Yeah, I understand how that goes. Sometimes I'm doing premarital counseling, they're going, and, and, and one of them I go, I don't have any debt. And the other one I look over like, I got plenty for both of us, and, and I'm going to help you. You know, you marry me for better or for worse, for richer, for poor in sickness and in health yeah yeah well you just got sick and you just got poor okay but you know what's happened here sometimes we max and we we max out our spiritual credit card and we've all done that and we can't pay back god for what he's done for us there's nothing we can do to earn it grace is a gift we can't forgive but he can forgive us completely when we acknowledge our spiritual poverty and that our sufficiency needs to be in him, that we trust completely there. I'm going to end it this way. God loves you so much, and he loves you just the way you are.
Say it with me. God loves me so much. He loves me the way I am. Let's do the next part. God loves me too much. Say that with me. God loves me, okay, to leave me the way I am. You're saying, man, you just tricked us, dude. You know what? God just wants to make us like Jesus. And he knows you and me need some conforming and some sandpaper and some trimming and some massaging and some crushing. And in that process, hopefully we become out to be more like Jesus and we look like him, we reflect Jesus. Lord, we want you to be the Lord, the center of our life. Lord, I pray that people would recognize every person that hears my voice is genuine followers of Jesus Christ. That we are people that first recognize our poverty and then we acknowledge our dependence on Christ. There's a, a thing that's going to come up. I want you to write it on your outline if you've not written anything all day. I depend on God. This is what I've come to tell you. If you're depending on anything of this world or your religious activity, you have fallen short. But when you utterly put everything on Christ, you depend completely on God, then you are poor in spirit in the kingdom of yours. Let's pray. Lord, I'm surrounded by a bunch of spiritual beggars because I'm one of them. And I'm gripped by the thought of unworthiness. And there's nothing that I or my friends can bring to you, Lord Jesus, that is sufficient or will meet the need. But because of your inexhaustible, unfathomable grace, we come. Have mercy on us. Would you in your heart today, in your prayer, maybe out loud if you need to, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. I want the kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit.